Welcome everybody. It is episode 12 on June 11th. How exciting. 12. 12 episodes. We're at a dozen. We're almost yeah. halfway to our halfway goal. Yeah. What's your halfway goal? Well, our halfway goal is, well, 30 is our goal. Okay. So 15 would be the halfway point. We're close. We're getting there. Slowly. A couple more weeks. They say 30, you find your groove and you really figure out whether you want to continue to no, do right. it or not. Figure so, out your voice and yeah, everything. So if you make it to 30 episodes, usually that's the point where most podcasts either take off or they just fall. So. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. All right. Once again, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. And now, I guess we are on Twitter. Yeah, I have and that sitting there. sent an email saying they want us, wanted you to verify the email address. Oh, did they send that? Good. Yeah. <laughs> I had support on it, so it wasn't high. When I looked at your stuff, I saw a lot of little icons. I didn't know what all of them meant. Those are all our platforms that oh, have picked us up. Oh, okay. Yeah, and we actually got picked up by two more. Really? Uh, Breaker and CastBox. Never heard of those before. So. I've heard of Breaker, but I've never heard of CastBox. My goal is to have Spotify figured out this week. And then um, they say that's about 11% of listeners. Oh. So, but people who listen to podcasts. So, Interesting. Yeah. You can also listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, and the other ones that I don't remember right now. There's a lot of yeah. little yeah. small mismatch, but that's kind of what we are, so maybe that works <laughs> out. That's right. And once again, you can email us at hottakefromthekitchen at gmail.com. It is H O T. T-A-K-E-F-R-O-M-T-H-E-K-I-T-C-H-N at gmail.com. And we actually got an email from a listener this week. Oh, you did? Last week. So aren't you glad you spelled that out? Because <coughs> it might not have happened. And I heard was. Michelle was making sure you spelled it right. She did. <laughs> Michelle supposedly <laughs> listens to this on her drive because she drives for her I job. I heard that, yeah. yeah and um, she kind of checks bright spelling, which is probably not a bad thing. No. But he does a good job. <laughs> there was that one week I forgot the whole word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Who knows how many emails we missed that week? It was probably yeah, all the wonderful ones. Yeah. It was probably your call from like Saturday Night Live or something. Oh, my God. <laughs> Could you meet Lauren Michaels? I probably shit myself. <laughs> oh, I could tell you if we had anything to do with SNL, Allison would have to find a way to Tina Fey. That's all. She <laughs> absolutely loves Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. So. She's great. That, well, they're both great. Yeah. And Allison's great, too. Yes, yes. All right. So on my left, we have Steve, because we have a new seating arrangement. We are trying to address the situation that we came out from last week, yes. We will get to that in a little bit. And seating arrangement was a problem? Yes. Well, we don't know. Well, we, I have a whole bunch of theories behind this, but this is our first hypothesis. Oh, okay. We could play musical chairs. We could do that. We could do that. <laughs> but we're just going to try this one and see what happens. And on my right is our guest, Mary Beth Stutzman. She is the director of the Visitors Bureau here in town. Yeah, I also right. I empty the trash sometimes. Yeah. So, you know, we, we're a little bit of everything. Plant flowers. I plant flowers. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. And now Steve wants a fun fact about us. Couldn't think of one. Well, a we fun can... fact? Let's skip the fun fact and talk about the seating arrangement. All 
So our feedback, we had a lot of good feedback last week. About your seating arrangement? Because nobody can see you. No, it was about <laughs> people can't hear Brad. Oh. I'm a quiet talker. Oh. And a low talker? Yes. Compared to previous podcasts, Brad seemed extra quiet last week. So there's two, we had two hypotheses. And the, I think the main one was, and I'll be honest with you, I think it's the presence of a female kind of makes Brad a little more quieter than normal. Yeah. That's my theory. That's my honest hypothesis. And I also believed, which is the truth, was when there was historically just us or a small group with guys, we were kind of huddled together. Huddled together. And then excited. the female presence, not for better, we kind of all made a little space bubble, which caused us further to be further away from the microphone, which all that combined together made Brad did sometimes. You, did you feel like you needed to kind of be on your best behavior? There was some pressure. I don't know. There was a pressure there, but no different than we feel with any other guest. I would think it's a fair thing to say. So, yeah. So we're trying to move Brad. He's directly right in front of the mic. Hopefully it works. And then Brad said he's going to work on speaking up a little louder. I am. And I I think you're doing a good job so far. I could get really close. (laughs) If you have to. (laughs) Well, if it makes you feel any better, I used to work for the newspaper. I started when I was really young, and I was terrified of people. I was very shy, and part of my job was making calls to all of the police stations around town to see if anything happened, and then I'd write a little report about if anything happened, and I would wait until everyone else possible left the office so I could make the phone calls without anyone listening to me. It's crazy to think of now, because my job involves me talking to people every day, but I used to be terrified, so I, I understand how how difficult it might be to talk to new people or to, you know, feel like you can just be yourself. So yeah, yeah. feel free to let loose. I know when I <laughs> when I first start selling cars, and I would call. I would like just privacy, just like because whether I struggled through it and there was some failure to it, or just whether it was good. Either way, I just kind of wanted it to be my own to kind of find my way. Now, yeah. Even still, now to the point where I know it's. I might have like a icky call or maybe like a nerve-wracking call. I kind of want to just have my own little zen space to yeah. do what I got to do. But yeah. I still like to make the call come on the phone at work. So I'm just surrounded by people and I don't want them to hear what I'm saying. Well, now it's, nobody likes talking on the phone. Yeah. Everyone likes text messaging. It's 100%. They're like, send me smoke signals, a passenger pigeon, <laughs> anything except a phone call. <laughs> These are all accurate. <laughs> I can tell you from just selling cars. I remember um, when when I really first started selling, um, when I just first started getting there. It seemed like the smartphones really were just starting to really hit the car industry. I'm not saying that they weren't out yet, but they really and communication. And I remember I would talk to uh, people like you guys, and I would just like. Like, hey, are you gonna call that person and find out if they're gonna buy that car? And I just shoot you guys a text or the customer a text. They're like, right. hey, you gonna buy it? And they're like, oh, maybe I'll come in tomorrow. And then I would be sitting right there, you know, I'm like, yeah, they're gonna be here tomorrow. I'm like, you didn't even call them. And I'm like, no, I didn't call them. I'm gonna, I just texted them. What's the point? <laughs> like, they don't, they don't want me to call them. Like, and really, we're seeing that now. Yeah, people really don't like being called. For a reason, I think there's probably because there's a certain sense of pressure. Once I once I have you on the phone, 
and you're feeling, in person. And yeah, like, oh, I don't want him to say no to me. Or I right, don't want to have to say no to right, him. Right, yeah. yeah. So it depersonalizes it a little bit. So. Yeah. So is the seating arrangement going to work for tonight? We won't know until. <laughs> I, I can feel tell okay you. here, but I can move if I need to. I can tell you it seems to be working really good because of that little bar. Last time was very, very <laughs> flat. And, um, but it's more you than me. So. It is me. <clears throat> so where, where I made a spike really so, high. Yeah. <laughs> so where, where's the microphone on this thing? It's just around. It's this whole area right here through there in the back, like this little gap right here. Okay. So the good news is if you're watching that verbal cue, so you can keep it, give you like a little reminder. Now we are going to do our hot takes. Number one is the NBA Finals. They ended on last Friday. It was a sweep for the Warriors or the Cavaliers. Oh, I'm out. It's just kind of, <laughs> <laughs> what are you guys talking about? Kind of expected. I think the only thing that really comes to point now is, is LeBron going to stay with Cleveland? No. And what do you think? Ooh, LeBron James, that'll come up later. Okay. Oh, cool beans. I like that. <laughs> That's up. All right. Um, I think he's gone. I think he he built this team. I think he built the team. Just told GM what he wanted, and GM went and got it. Didn't work out, so now he's gonna move on. That's the team's not gonna get any better. No. Okay, let me ask you this: Do you think he'll win another NBA championship? Those are the two questions that I saw circulating around this weekend. Were will he stay, and then was that his last NBA Finals? Because what was it, nine straight, eight, eight straight? He was two, so you know. Um, I don't think it'll be his last NBA Finals. I just don't think he'll win another one. It's interesting. I don't. You know, it's really hard to tell because you never know. He might land in on Golden State, and of course he's probably going to win one, but we don't. <laughs> we don't know. So um, I don't know. Does he win or does his team win? Both. So, here's what happened for, because I know you're not a big NBA fan. <laughs> right. So, so, at some point in the past 20 years, athletes, especially in the NBA, figured out that their greatness of their career is judged by championships. Yeah. Probably unfairly, because not everyone's a championship. So what these newer NBA athletes have decided, well, if we're going to be judged on that, then why are we going to each be on a team and struggle? Let's all just jump on one team and win. Mm. So a lot of people my age and older, and I think even some younger people, feel that they've cheated the system a little bit by yeah. doing that. That's a debate clearly up. But what it is gone is that's what it is now. So it's all about these players who used to each have their own team and you know everybody in their own fan base have now all collectively bonded together and now it's like instead of having one player on each team there's two or three really good teams now and it's all about finding which set of players work together to produce to try to monopolize the system yep so but is, is lebron james still an incredible athlete 100 percent. okay in fact i would even say now and kind of Upsets me, but he's probably the greatest NBA basketball player I've ever seen in my entire life. Would you yeah. say he's a thoroughbred? Yes, hundred percent. He's um, he is just a beast. 
I don't think I'll ever see anything like it ever again in my lifetime. 100%. And maybe it could be different. I mean, bigger, faster, stronger seems to be evolving throughout. Every, yeah, with every generation. Yeah, so. New that comes along. Yeah. I mean, he's the size a, of a center, but he's just as quick as a guard, mm-hmm. and he can do things that people his size shouldn't be able to do. It's like Krakowski in football. He's for every bit, uh, should be a lineman, but he's faster, stronger, and he's quick, and he just he's a mismatch in football, too. So. All right, our second hot take. <laughs> Everybody's like, yes, we're on. <laughs> <laughs> there was a second Triple Crown winner in horse racing over the weekend, the last second in the last four years, or second in the last 40 years, however way you want to look at it. I like to look at 40. So makes it more impressive. It does. It is impressive no matter which way you look at it. I saw it was 77 and 78. It wasn't the same person. And then, of course, we had American Pharaoh mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. Who, um, the trainer of American Pharaoh was the same person that trained Justify. Yes. Bob. Bob Baffert. Baffert, yep. And you always see him at every Kentucky Derby. Mm-hmm. He's always with his super white George Seifert hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. My grandpa um, was a jockey. Locally, um, you know, in regionally, and so I grew up watching horse racing, and I still, I mean, he's been gone, he passed a long time ago, but I still get an adrenaline rush when I watch the horses get into the, the starting lineup, and, yeah. and they head out, and it, it just carries through until the end, and I don't know why that is, I grew up with horses, but I never raced myself, um, actually being on a horse going that fast is a bit terrifying, you have to be very good. <laughs> to be really good but um you know I was impressed with with Justify for a lot of reasons but also with his training and his jockey that rode him he barely had to um he barely had to give him any command at all he just knew what to do he, he didn't whip him he didn't he said right just to the last very end he kind of just yeah told him to get, get going on it right then and but yeah. yeah he was really it was a very smooth race that's yeah. for certain and then the Belmont, he was like a whole length ahead the, almost the entire time, right out of the gate. Um, looking at his body composition, he's a lot. He was a bit wider than the other horses, and sometimes that means they might not be quite as fast. But he's just a powerhouse. And I've heard, and the reason why I asked this earlier is because I've heard if he were a human athlete, he would be LeBron James. Oh, really? <laughs> Interesting. I heard, I mean, I don't know a lot about horse racing, so it's just whatever I pick up along the way. Really, all I care about is Kentucky Derby. As Brad knows, because it's usually on my birthday and all that, there's usually a boxing match. There's a match. celebration. Yeah. There's usually the a boxing match. Do you wear a hat? Sombrero, we have. A sombrero. <laughs> we, yeah, we, my birthday's always just a hodgepodge of things, but whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, we have worn hats before. So, yeah, I'm trying to do a Kentucky Derby party next year. Nice. Um, That'll be fun. I'm trying to tie it in with the fundraiser for my mom for hospice in Michigan. Oh, nice. We'll see how that happens. I don't know. We're just trying to make it through this year right now. Yeah. <laughs> you have a lot going on. Yeah. All right. Uh, topic number three is the local softball teams in the regionals. I know Alpina won their regional and will play tomorrow at four down at CMU. I don't know how Tiger City did. So Roger City beat Inland Lakes, who won it last year, and Inland Lakes whooped them 
last year in the regionals. So, like, it's kind of a little bit of a payback for Rogers City. They've been in rank number one, I think, all year for District for Division Four, so Class D. Wow. So, hopefully, got a lot rolling for both local teams. Um, Alpena won at Saginaw Valley last week. Yeah. So, that had to make you feel good. Both cards. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they play tomorrow. Tomorrow for senior. In Caledonia. For somebody that they play, so just hope they win. Yeah. I got ties to Alpena softball team. That you do. My cousin Dawn is married to this coach, so it's kind of exciting. Nice. All right. Local sports is so important for building character and how to work with other people. And sometimes I think that everyone, you know, gets lost in the who's winning what and Brad and I have both coached before, so and I made my kids all do sports. And I always thought the three most important things you learn in sports are one, you have to listen to someone other than your parent, which is the most important thing for a kid. Is the, True. They have to listen to someone that's not them. Someone else in yep. the world. Yep. Two, um, it's not fair. Right. And life, it was we all know as adults, <laughs> life isn't fair. And a lot right. of times they're like, oh my god, that's not fair, and you're just like. That's life, kid. Yep. That's just. So how, how are you going to control your reaction? Yes. All, all that. Everything that comes along with it not being fair. And, of course, um, you're going to have some wins. You're going to have some losses in life. And, of course, how you carry yourself through that um, process yeah. also. So, yeah. And then being a good teammate. Yeah. So I think all those things are really important in sports. And that's why I'm big, huge proponent of sports. Topic number four, IHOP. <laughs> okay. I, Which IHOP should not be confused with IHOP. Well, IHOP <laughs> is changing their name to IHOP. So, is it? Yes. Yeah. So what, this is what this is. Does that have something to do with Yes. Cakes? So <laughs> I want to tell you, I want to ask you a question, Mary Beth, because Brad already knows the answer because he looked it up. So I know. So IHOP today, right? It was today? I don't know. It was either today or yesterday. Announced that they're changing their name to IHOB. So all That's so confusing. All day what does long. Does that mean International House of Biscuits? That was the guess. So what do you think the B is going to stand for? I know the answer. Interna- they announced it International today. House of. Is it breakfast? That's what I heard. That was a great guess. Brunch was another one that somebody said. I always thought, I always thought it was a good guess. But I'll let Brad go ahead and say what. Oh, you don't? Know? No. It's burgers. What? This is stupid. <laughs> How can you go from pancakes to burgers? That's a great hot take. <laughs> like instantly, you're like, ah. So yeah, apparently, I guess they're going to start doing burgers and kind of make themselves more over into a. That's. Are pancakes not really going over that great anymore? I don't know pancakes. I always thought pancakes were brilliant because you can make pancakes so cheap. Charge six dollars for three pancakes. Oh, well, who doesn't love pancakes? Yeah, we love breakfast all day. Right. Yeah. Huh. So yeah. Well, we'll see where that goes. I'm sure they Waffle have some reasons. Waffle House to kill them, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I love Maybe. your real-time hot takes on that. Like, both real-time reactions from both of you. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> that was just stupid. All right. Oh, man. Our last we'll topic see. is net neutrality. That started today or ended today, depending on how you wanted to look at uh, it. Yeah. It was confusing. So, depending on what side of the fence you fall on, could be either a good or a bad thing, um, I guess. 
man, I, I was always against this happening because I really feel like <clears throat> there will be some backlash to the end consumer, probably more of like the lower class than anything else. I think, you know, high-speed internet connection, which you probably understand with all yeah. that you do for the CVV, is having it be able to have internet connection is super important. So, um, but with and that... And not having it segregated according to what you can afford. Yes. And that's what it's going to come down to. It's right. going to be... But, in all honesty, it's that's how it is now. You know, you... It's, we're really living in a world that we don't know how to navigate yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we hear about this all the time through work because so much of what we do in terms of communicating with people happens on the internet. We're, we live in a world where we, all, we each of us have our own reality, where you get your news and where you get your news and where I get my news and where I look for things that are interesting or where what I read is completely different than anybody else. So at the end of the day, we have all created our own little reality for ourselves. And imagine how much smaller that will be if regulations like this are put in place. Yeah. So, like, for example, for between myself and my husband, Casey, who a lot of you know, he likes hunting and he likes cooking wild game. And so a lot of what he likes to talk about at night are fishing and hunting and wild game and all of these sorts of things. I like looking at, like, house plans and, you know, how wonderful Alpina is and where else where else I can share that message. So we each already have our own little reality. So if, if, if I can only afford, you know, this kind of package or whatever it is they're talking about doing and he can afford this kind of package, it even further limits how we can connect with each other because there's a little crossover right now. But in the future, what kind of, what kind of reality are we creating for the common good? And what is the lowest common denominator going to be? Yeah. And then I think you see that now with <clears throat> dial-up to high speed. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, whereas people who can't afford, like, you know, because Spectrum's expensive, right? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think all three of us probably have it. So, because we have no choice, and it's a necessary evil in our lives. We have to have it out with all that we do. So, But there are still places <clears throat> in Northeast Michigan that don't have internet service. Right. I grew up um, out in the country on a farm, and... It's kind of funny because growing up, I there were two things I wanted. Number one was full control of the thermostat <laughs> from my dad. You were the last one in the house of Brzezowski. <laughs> and then the second was cable TV. And all grow, growing up, you know, I didn't understand why we didn't have cable. And all my friends had satellite and cable. And I would go over to a friend's house and we'd just watch MTV the entire time because I didn't have it. I grew up with PBS and local CBS and a televangelist channel. So being able to watch, um, you know, new things, it was it was mind-blowing. Um, as soon as I uh, got older, I was in college, I think I was going to ACC, and my dad said, okay, okay, okay. Call the cable company, see what it will take to get cable at our house. So I called, and they said, oh, well, you live too far out, we can't, because we would have to run a quarter mile of cable to reach your home. And we can't do that. It's too expensive. It's probably still not to this date. No, they don't. Yeah. They have. They got. They got a satellite dish, but they still don't have cable. So there. But there are places, and um, there's one um, telecommunications company, All Band Electric, locally, our communications that t- their purpose is to run cable and telephone service to people in Northeast Michigan that have never had it, which is still it's it's unfathomable to believe that there are people living close to us 
that don't have that, but but there still is. Yeah. So so how much? What is something like net neutrality going to do even to those people that are just now being introduced to this world? And well, sorry, now it's regulated and you have to pay extra, and it's crazy. Got any take on it, Brad? I don't think it's a good idea. Quick and blunt. I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah. Nope. I know, like, worst case scenario, you know, they always give you worst case scenario, like, oh, well, you know, they'll divvy everything out, so Verizon will make you choose this or that, or, you know, you'll have to pick and choose all this stuff, and I'm like, you're already making me pick and choose now, right. so it's no different <laughs> than what's going on now, so, um, but yeah, certainly not happy about it, but it seems like it's going through an appeal process, so I don't think it's, yeah. it's completely done yet. It's so. just, we live in a, in a world that I, I know, um, like when we were younger, we probably couldn't even have imagined some of the things that we're, you know, are part of our everyday lives now. I know when I was younger, email wasn't a thing. Yeah. The internet wasn't a thing. Yeah. I remember watching the Jetsons and they would talk to each other on a TV screen. Oh, right. Yeah. And of course we're doing that now. Yeah. I think Matt Mashinsky and I, it's funny how we, I have different friends, like some people I only talk through a messenger and some people I only talk through email. <laughs> and Matt Mashinsky and I only talk through FaceTime. So oh, really? <laughs> that is our primary form of contact, kind of funny. unless we're on a group thread, but we don't text, we don't call, we FaceTime. That's how. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, so. I don't know if that is. No. You, and have, if, choice, you have choices now. Yeah, and if you have any idea of me and Matt's relationship, you probably could figure out why all that happens. Because we use constantly <clears throat> MSN Messenger, or sorry, Facebook Messenger is the best because you can do face filters while you're talking to each other. <laughs> <clears throat> evangelist 
and she finds out later that she wasn't actually born in Pawnee. Well, <laughs> I know I wasn't born in Alpena, but I always have a mental blip, and I tell people that. But I was really born in Kentucky. My dad was in the Army. Um, my parents actually grew up about a quarter mile away from each other out in Maple Ridge Township, northwest of Alpena. And my dad joined the Army and um, was stationed um, in Kentucky for a while, and so we lived there And I was after I was born. And then we moved to Germany, um, which I don't remember because I was a kid. But this story sounds really I weird. <laughs> I don't want to interrupt you. You keep going, though. Crazy. So. so I lived in Germany for a little while, and I don't remember it, but there are lots of pictures of me in, with my mom holding me in front of castles. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> and then um, my dad, when it came time to re-up his service, he decided, no, um, you know, I have a family, and they wanted him to, like, move up in the ranks and do some pretty hardcore things, and he just wasn't sure about it, so we moved back home um, to Alpena. So from about two years old until, you know, now, I've pretty much lived here. I went away to school for a little bit, um, raised on a farm northwest of town we had cattle and horses and you know chickens and rabbits and goats every once in a while um i grew up in 4-h and ffa which is where i met michelle your guest last week um she was a little bit older than me and and ffa but i always looked up to her because she carried herself so well in front of people and i was so shy that i thought man if i could talk in front of people that great someday that i'd really be bettering myself she's crazy in the best possible way. So, so you know, I kind of looked up to people like her and forced myself to break out of my shell and learn how to do some things. Um, I forced myself to take public speaking classes and enter into public speaking competitions. My first official public speech that I gave, uh, it was awful. It probably couldn't have been more awful. I was so nervous, I was shaking. I had to hold on to my chair, like the sides of my chair. I was afraid I was going to, like, shake off of it. And I got up in front of everybody. I'm talking. It was in, when I was in high school, so I noticed there was a boy in the front row that I kind of had a crush on. And all of a sudden, I noticed his face was, like, beet red, and he was laughing hysterically. And I'm like, I'm not saying anything funny. I don't know what he's laughing about. <laughs> and then as, like, it caught me off guard, and everyone started clapping because they thought I was done with my speech and I'm like I'm not done oh, wait I'm not done yet I'm not done and so then I finished I went and sat down and I noticed my zipper was undone <laughs> it probably could I mean it could have gone worse but that was pretty terrible um so there was nowhere to go from but up from there um I I went to ACC for two years and then I transferred to Michigan State um I thought I would kind of go off and explore the world. I, I love traveling and experiencing new, different things. Um, but I thought I would go off and explore the world, meet someone, get married, have some kids, and then move back when we started to raise a family because Alpena is just a great place to raise a family. No one can deny that. Um, but it kind of happened backwards. As I was graduating, my mom had back surgery. So I came back and I helped her. And while I was here, a job at the hospital opened up in their marketing department. Um, marketing communications is what I went to school for. And I thought, you know, people don't retire from jobs in Alpena, or people don't quit jobs in, Alpe in Alpena, they retire. So the fact that there was a position open 
in this very narrow field that I decided to study and wanted to come back to Alpena and pursue, my dad thought I was going to be living in their basement forever. <laughs> He's like, you want to <laughs> study what? <coughs> PR and marketing and then work in Alpena? Yeah. Like, we kind of actually want you to support yourself. <laughs> So um, I went for it, and a woman named Marianne Ray, who was um, in charge of the department at the hospital at that time that I interviewed with, hired me, and I worked there for six years. During that time, I met Casey, uh, and, you know, we got married, and we started a family, and I've been here ever since. I don't regret it at all. Um, part, probably part of the reason, because we've been able to travel a little bit, um, but also just because I think it takes going away sometimes to realize what you really have here. And I think that's part of what led to my current career and being so passionate about being an advocate for Alpina is that being one of those people that couldn't wait to leave, which a lot of us... In your youth. In our youth, which yeah. happens in every small town. <coughs> right. It's not just Alpina. It happens everywhere. Um, well, I think if you grow up in the big city... You feel that way too. Like, oh, right. I can't wait to get out of this big city and go somewhere else. Right. That's just. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just part of wanting to, you know, expand and explore the world and spread your horizon. But, um, so I never thought I'd come back so soon, but I'm I'm glad I did. And you know, my fam, my my extended family is here. My parents both came from really big families. My mom had. Um, six siblings. My dad had eight siblings in his family, so growing up was always lots of, it was kind of more of like a, a family, like a tribal atmosphere rather than nuclear family. They're like my aunts raised me just as much as my mom and dad did and my uncles and um, cousins were like brothers and sisters and still are. Uh, so, you know, there was a lot of that growing up in Alpena and I think a lot of people that I've, you know, that I've met, not everyone you know, has had that experience, but a, a lot have, and people you meet, you know, through your experiences growing up or through work, you know, you know, you people have known you for your whole lives, they're not related, but they care about your well-being, and, you know, they look out for you, and uh, I think that's one of the great things about Alpina. Um, so, I mean, that, that, but that is a really long answer to that question. <laughs> but it's good. It's a great answer. That's what I like, though. You're going to have to stop me. No, I... Got exactly what I wanted out of that. So, fun fact: your like your beginning of your life, very similar to Brad's. Hmm. Well, kind of. But I mean, in the same way. So, Brad is. I'll let him tell what I know what to say. Well, were you born here? No. Okay. Was that? I was okay. born in Germany. <gasps> no way. Yes. Where at? And I was born in Landstuhl. My parents were ba were stationed in Baumgartner. Okay. And they had to go to launch school. Then we, after that, we moved to Louisiana for three years and then moved back to Germany. Wow, flicking, feel flicking. Yes, that's where near where we live. So weird. How old are you? I'm thirty-seven. I'll be thirty-seven next month. Oh, that's after I was there. I'll be thirty. I'm thirty-nine. I'll be forty this year. But we were there for three more years and then moved back to Louisiana. Moving back to Alpena for my parents' apartment. Wow. And they grew up like two blocks away from each other. That's so funny. What are the odds of that? But my brother was born in Kentucky at Fort <laughs> <laughs> That's where you're 
like the story that's is so a, weird. I know, that's why we're like, this is awesome. Where at, where at in Kentucky? Fort Knox. Oh, we were in Fort Campbell. That's where I was born. Close. It was close, though. That's enough to make it a really crazy story. Well, and like, that's the beauty of, like, this. when I was telling, when we were off the air, this is exactly kind of what I like about this whole experience, is because it's kind of finding some things about something you didn't know, and then you're like, oh my gosh. We have a lot more common ground than we thought. Yeah. yeah. Um, Friday morning, this couple pulls up on the lot, and they're not even from America, from Germany, and they're like, yeah, heavy German accent, but they're speaking English, and like, yeah, we're going to try to buy a house here in Alpena. And I'm like, oh, okay, it's cool. He's like, yeah. And um, he goes, yeah, I'm just in town for a couple days. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I introduced myself, and he said his name. And I said, oh, man, I only know one guy from Germany. And I go, my uh, mother-in-law used to work over there, and she knew a guy. And then I said the name. He's like, oh, yeah, that's that's the people that oh she used to hang out in Germany. And then, <laughs> well, they were, they were all in town for Dylan's golf outing. So it makes complete sense. That's but incredible. It's just funny how it's a small world. You could tell at first they were like, you're not being serious. Right? I'm like, no, actually, really, this is really happening. Like, I don't know you guys. And, That's so funny. Yep. And they're so, you never yeah, know. No, it, it really can be an absolutely small world at times. Oh, yeah. And another job I had when I went for panel processing. Um, so one of the funny things about my dad thinking I was going to live in his basement forever is – I don't know how it's happened, but I, I did marketing and PR for the hospital, which is a regional referral center for Northeast Michigan. Um, I worked for Alpena Community College, marketing and PR. I worked for Thunder Bay National Marine Sanctuary Communications and Fundraising, and Panel Processing as their national marketing manager. So I hope Dad's proud of me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. That I was able to leverage my degree to, to some sort of use. Um, but when I was working for panel processing, um, I spent a lot of time, um, going around with some of the sales guys and we met someone, um, through one of their other vendors that they worked with and he was a older man and he said, you know, you know, you always have to introduce yourself to the person on your right and introduce yourself to the person on your left because you never know who that person might be. And this was over dinner and as we were talking, turns out the, the man on my right um, had secured the first images of the moon landing when he worked for a media company back in whatever year that was I'm not good with dates but he they he when he when he said this told the story it was just incredible like they're like Time magazine and Newsweek and like this other news news outlet media outlet they were all vying for the first images and Everyone had just, like, given up and had been waiting and waiting and waiting, and they were relaxing at the pool. And then this guy, who was sitting on my right at dinner now, like, decades later, said, we just waited. We just sat out and waited, and eventually they, they had the images, and we were the only ones sitting there. And we, we, we made a point to run past those guys that were lounging, having drinks, and saying, we got them. And then they took them, and they were printed. But it was, like... You never know. Like if we had, if I had just, you know, like minded my own business and said, you know, please pass the butter or, you know, house your fish. I never would have learned that. But I asked him, you know, what's your story? Like, what have you done in your life? What's, what's, what's interesting about you? And he just started talking and I learned that. And, you know, if, if Casey's listening, he's going to make fun of me forever because I have this 
ongoing conspiracy theory that I tease him about that we never landed on the moon. Yes. I was all about that too. <laughs> yes. Another one. But I talked with this man and he had the, the images from the events from when it when it first happened and it was just incredible to hear. Supposedly first that happened. <laughs> when you said what year did it happen, it just made me laugh like we didn't land on the moon. <laughs> I have uh, two friends. I like to question things. Yeah. You never know. They're diehard. We landed on the moon, guys. Just diehard. And nothing upsets them more than when I say, and, or I give, and of course you go on the internet and just find all sorts of crazy stuff. So I just randomly will send them that and they'll just be like, oh my God, we landed on the moon. <laughs> we stop with this nonsense. That's what Casey does to me, but it's so fun. Yeah. Like once you find those people, you're like, well, like Stanley Kubrick's a pretty <laughs> Yeah. And the story is that he faked the, the, the scene. Yeah. And I love Stanley Kubrick, so it fits for me. <laughs> uh, right? Casey's love... always like, oh, stop. Yeah. <laughs> my, my friend's Gary Pakula, who's, um, he lives in Nashville now. So, uh, yeah, Emmy Award winning Gary Pakula. So that's <laughs> my olive branch to making up for Aww. bringing up the, we didn't land on the moon. Thing. <laughs> I don't think he listens, but he should. I think it's fun to explore both possibilities. I think you can make the argument how good, you know, I don't know, that's up for debate, but there is enough, you could reason in your head that it was staged. You know, you can. So, it's just simple. I think it's important to stay curious. Yeah. But it, the, there is another country right now that is trying to go and land on the dark side of the moon. Can't remember. I just read about it. I think it might be China. So we'll see. It might happen in our lifetime again, and then we'll know if it's possible or not. That's kind of where the other part of this whole thing is with me. Is if that was something that could be done in the '60s, you would think by now we would have done it. We would just be like for fun, pogo sticking up to them. <laughs> like I mean, I really want a moon rock. Yeah. I like to collect rocks, and I don't have a moon rock, so like, that'd be cool. Just. It just doesn't make sense to me, but at the same time, like, I don't know. That's yeah. a whole different I podcast. Know. I know. When I used to work for the newspaper, I always, like, like, I think it's important to have really lofty goals, and you might never get there ever, but um, every day you might make a little advancement that might lead you there. So when I was working for the, I worked for the newspaper for four years and did the journalism program at ACC and thought, I actually thought I'd be a journalist. Um, at, by trade before I went to Michigan State, but um, my my goal, my lofty goal, was to be the first reporter in space. Nice. I mean, it didn't happen, but <laughs> it was a it goal. I thought it would be really fun. I, too, worked for the news for a little while. I was a stringer, so I would sit there Friday nights. Oh, you did when? Oh, 2011. Oh, just after, yeah, 10, after me. But I would go in at, like, Friday night at 9 o'clock. Yeah, and then I'd get all the sports scores and uh, and like data, and then every once in a while, if it was a really big game, they would send me out there. And yeah, I'd write a little small story, and I uh. did everything. I did a little bit of everything. I did the three to eleven p.m. shift, mm-hmm. and I I covered a lot of feature stories, like feel good things, which I really love because I got to meet a lot of interesting people and just find out you know what makes them tick. And but when I started, I was sixteen, so. Um, and my aunt Susan, Susan Ewing Bowen, 
um, actually got me started in it and really helped me out. Um, the first time I wrote a news article, it took me like two weeks. <laughs> I was terrible. <laughs> because writing for journalism um, purposes is completely different than writing for an English paper. Yes. So what you learn in school isn't always applicable. Um, and so you write for efficiency. And Space. And space yeah. and communicating the message. So you don't need a lot of eloquent words. You don't need a lot of wordiness. It's it's getting to the point. Um, so it was a whole new concept to learn, and my Aunt Susan really helped me out a lot. Um, but but when I was young and starting out, I would show up to interviews, and people would be like, oh, when is the reporter showing? When is the reporter coming? And I'm like, <laughs> I am the reporter. <laughs> I know. The very first story I ever wrote, I was like, that's great, but you have a box this big, you need to fit all that in. And I was like, there's a smaller form right. of housing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's nice we form. fixed the problem. <laughs> oh, Brad, where were you then? I guess. story so when I first started talking with them um, they they wanted to know all sorts of information about species and times of year that you can get stuff uh, where you can fish how many different places you can fish and then they sent a covert operative to Alpina to fact check my information so they didn't just take my word for it um, and I also hooked them up with a local fisherman, Joe Zolnarek, to help verify what I was saying. They didn't just take his word for it. They also sent a, someone that we didn't know to scout Alpina to make sure that we were telling the truth. Fortunately for us, we always try and be honest. <laughs> we don't oversell. Yeah. We don't undersell. We try and be authentic and genuine. So they sent someone to double check what we were telling them. And then when all that checked out, then they scheduled an official site visit, which meant we still didn't get the opportunity yet. Um, they, they needed to send some of their production crew to make sure that, yes, fish could be caught. We were, we were being forthright and honest. And, and then also make sure that we had the infrastructure and the support that they would need for their filming operation, which was gigantic. It was bigger probably than anything else um, besides Die Hard, <laughs> as far as like what our community has seen so far. Um, so when they sent the people, it was April, and there was the, like the Thunder Bay River was still frozen over. Some of the lakes were a little bit open, but it was kind of like, well, I don't know what you guys are going to 
are going to see, but they were able to make it work, and it all checked out, and every they did the cross-referencing, and everything worked, and they said, okay, we are going to try it, um, but nobody can know. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> oh, by the way, we also need all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. So there was about $90,000 worth of in-kind donations and services or items or things that I needed to line up for them. They had a crew of about 60 people. That wasn't counting the anglers. There were 24 fishermen that came along. Um, every angler had a judge or a boat official that rode with them. And, and the first time they came, every angler had their own chase boat. So I had to get uh, about a dozen volunteers from the community with their own boats to follow all the professional anglers while they were filming with another camera guy. Um, so it, it was a pretty big production. And this was, I want to say, maybe like two months after I started my job. And I was so full of hope and just like enthusiasm. I'm like, this is the best community ever and I'm going to show you why. And I don't care what you're asking. I'm going to figure out how to make it work, even if I don't sleep for another year. And that's exactly what happened. Um, so when they came, they uh, so the big deal was not them actually being here. The big deal was when it aired on, tel on national television, on the Outdoor Channel, which at that time had about 30 million viewers. They have a lot more now. Um, Major League Fishing is now ranked as the number one outdoor sports show in the nation, which ranks above Duck Dynasty. Um, so we, we didn't know where that traje trajectory was going to go when we started with the first one. We also had no idea they would come back a second time. We had no idea they would want to come back a third time. But our, my whole goal with the first time was, you know, if, if this were me, if I had to go into a community that I didn't know, and my end goal was XYZ thing, what would I need from that local liaison to make it work? So that's just what I tried to do. I mean, I had no experience working with a national television crew before. I just, you need breakfast sandwiches at 5 a.m., I will deliver them personally. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, you need, you need a private dinner at, you know, a, a local restaurant um, to make all of your sponsors who are giving the show tens of thousands of dollars and you will need them to be wined and dined, I will call the courtyard and have fresh salad and set it up for you. Yeah. Um, uh, fortunately for us, uh, you know, Alpina looks great every day of the yeah. year. We're a beautiful community. We really don't have to do much to make it look beautiful. We're clean. Uh, we're naturally stunning. Uh, and for the most part, all of the local, not only restaurants, vendors, I mean, we had Pig Five Deli, um, Cabin Creek Coffee. We had so many people working to help us um, make it happen. The, the fairgrounds, the you know, the, the county, the city um, helped us with things. Uh, Sports Unlimited. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, people really were willing to say yes before they even really knew what they were saying yes to. And I think that's another one of the great things about our community because without that happening, um, the first show wouldn't have been successful. If we, if the first show hadn't been successful and if those people that came to film hadn't felt welcomed and welcomed without pressure. Um, mm -hmm. So some of the places that these people go, they're, they're hounded and, you know, they're bothered and, we didn't do that. We treated them respectfully. So that's 
what got us our second visit and our and 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 the second visit being almost identical to the first visit got us our third visit and we're the only city in the entire United States that they've been to more than once which for a lot of people that doesn't make a lot of they don't know they don't care that doesn't make a lot of sense but in terms of being a nature-based community trying to get our message in front of an audience that is has money and is willing and ready to travel and wants to check out new destinations uh, we couldn't ask for a better promotion opportunity and it wasn't just a commercial on TV or one a one episode show it was an entire multi-week season that once it was done running the first time it runs again and again and again um, and the fan base for that show is just incredible um, it's really amazing yeah the good news well at least from what I can tell the fan base that watches that show is the type of person that's going to go, I'll go to Alpena and try that. And they do. Right. And we've had people buy houses. I've heard from real estate agents. I've heard from insurance sales people who have said, you know, we just did a, did a policy for someone's vacation home who bought a cottage up here because they, shot, they saw the, that show on the Outdoor Channel. That show. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and that show led to a bunch of other things. And that was one of the things starting out, you know, brand new in my position. I know marketing like the back of my hand. I know Alpina like the back of my hand. Do I know how to be a CVB director like the back of my hand? Absolutely not. I have no clue because I've never done it before. Um, but I know that this is my community. I live here too. I want opportunities that are going to align with what we as residents align with, and this was one of those things. Um, we're, we're more than fishing. Um, Alpina is much more than fishing, and we do a lot more than just fishing, but that, that is the one thing that has kind of gotten so much attention because it's just been so mainstream and so recognizable. And it's a resource that is very easily um, accommodated. It's not something that has to be um, manufactured. It exists, and... You know, there, a, a lot of credit has to go to our local sportsmen's groups, um, our local lake sportsmen's um, clubs and organizations, and, you know, the DNR and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife for making sure that our lakes are healthy and our fisheries are stocked every year and, you know, that the, the habitat is really healthy so that, so that not only we as residents can continue to, you know, maintain this lifestyle that we enjoy, but then we can promote it as something worthy of, visiting as well to bring in that economic impact. Yeah. <clears throat> Got anything, Brad? We're not just fishing, though. Nope. Well, I think, for me, <laughs> it's been interesting to watch the transition of Alpena to go from what essentially where it was a limestone town. You know, we, had, we were a factory, we were blue-collared, and still in a lot of ways are compared yeah. to the west side of the state. And to go slowly from changing ourselves to being that community to kind of reinventing ourselves a yeah. little bit over the past couple of years. And um, it's definitely, it seems like it's worked. Yeah, yeah. So, so some of what happened is, so when I, when I worked at the hospital, um, I worked at the hospital kind of at the beginning of the last recession. So when everything started to take a nosedive, everyone was feeling it. Um, John McVitie, the former CEO of the hospital, who recently passed, unfortunately, um, one of his messages was, you know, when the nation gets a cold, and the whole nation went through this economic downturn, when the nation gets a cold, 
Michigan gets the flu, Northeast Michigan catches pneumonia, <laughs> which is kind of what happens. Um, you know, and, and there were a lot of factors, like the, the auto industry also took a nosedive, and we relied not only as a state on the auto industry, but our vacation, our tourism population depended on auto workers from the Detroit metro area having second homes or second vacation homes or coming up north for vacation. So when they no longer had the disposable income because they were laid off or their, you know, their jobs were reorganized or whatever the case may be, we started to take that hit too. So whereas previously we may not have taken tourism as really a legitimate industry because it just kind of always naturally happens. We didn't have to we worked hard for it, but it wasn't really seen as something as critical as like limestone manufacturing is like what you're saying. Um, so when some of those world markets started to change, we started to take a look and started to analyze like, whoa, you know, what's happening here? Um, that was one of the things and our tourism economy was one of the things where we kind of took a look and it's like, you know, what if just had a better package or a better way of talking about our package. Um, some of these people just have been coming up for generations. The, the grandparents came up, so the kids came up, and now the grandkids are coming up. Um, now that we don't have that, you know, that solid economic base with the auto manufacturing industry automatically doing that, you know, what, what does that mean for us? And so as a community, um, and, and honestly, this was before I had this position, so I can't take credit for it, but um, my predecessor and the city of Alpena got together and said, you know, let's, it's time, let's bring in a professional. You know, we know what we have, but we might not know how, how unique it is in comparison to the rest of the world, so let's bring somebody in. So they brought in a man named Roger Brooks from Destination Development International, who is responsible for branding some communities like um, Whistler, the, the ski town, um, and, and you know, some other really popular ones. He came and he mystery shopped Alpina. So if you've heard of mystery shopping, mm -hmm. like a restaurant or something, uh, they send somebody in and you don't know, and you're supposed to be on your best behavior. And So he came and he told us some things um, about Alpina that you know some people didn't want to hear. One of them was the fairgrounds looks like a prison, and at first everyone was like, "We love our fairgrounds," but you know, okay, stay, take a step back and look at it as an outsider. At that time, there was barbed wire fence on the top of yeah. the chain link. Yeah. <laughs> so when you think, when you look, and you think about that, and you're like, "Oh, you know, all right, well, there might be something to this." So he actually um, came a couple of times, and. There was the first step where he comes and he kind of mystery shops and he says, okay, well, here's like maybe a dozen things that you could do immediately to improve the visibility or the, the welcoming feel of your community. And we, uh, we paid to have him come a second time where it was much more in-depth and he did this whole boot camp thing with a bunch of key stakeholders in the community where he asked the people, what is it that makes Alpina special? He sent out a survey to the to the whole community, um, and he's he's leveraging us against many other places in the United States, and, and a lot of people don't really realize that that happened. Alpina was put in competition with other places around the United States to see what do we have that is more unique, or 
really shines before in in relationship to these other communities. So he came back with about 90 some recommendations for us. Wow. Some of them were as simple as, you know, this park needs a better sign or repaint this or put some flowers over here, pull the weeds over here, rename this because it doesn't make sense for a visitor. Um, you know, start doing some of these things. You need to have bike rentals in your community. You need to, you know, other places have found success with this. And so having that, um, that outside perspective was really good. And honestly, he probably didn't tell us anything that we wouldn't have already really known on our own. But it really packaged it and it legitimized it. Um, recently, I was in a, a different, like more recently, in a totally different community survey type of situation. And the person who was here, he's here from Vermont, but he said, you can't be a prophet in your own town. So if you or Bradley or you or I were to say, like, this is what Alpina needs, it's always going to be met with a lot of skepticism because people have known you or me for decades. Like, well, I remember when you used to ride your bike around and you used to, you know, <coughs> put playing cards in your spokes to make it make noise. So, well, like, how can I take you seriously? <laughs> when, I, when I saw Indy, I thought of, I used to do that, and then I put a Wade Bowes rookie card. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, so it's hard to be a prophet in your own town. You can be you can be an Einstein, and people that you grew up with are always going to look at you with a little bit of skepticism. So having this outside entity come in and say, this is who you are. You are the sanctuary of the Great Lakes, and that is not focused on the marine sanctuary, but it makes that a, a key factor in your story, but it also expands your story to talk about the this beautiful nature-based community that you live in. I don't know that you realize how clean it is. I don't know that you realize how amazing it is to be able to, to drive anywhere within the city limits. Within about two minutes, you can see water. doesn't matter where you are, whether it's the river, the wildlife sanctuary, uh, the by Island Park, Lake Huron, you always have water. Drive outside of the community, same story. Long Lake, Grand Lake, Hubbard Lake, Devil's Lake. Mud Lake, whatever, you know, however far you want to go, um, I don't know that you realize how important that is and how significant that is. And there are people in the world that want that. Um, another thing is that we've always kind of gotten down on ourselves for things like not having great shopping or not having um, wildly vast entertainment options or being too far off the beaten path. Well, part of what this this process, this branding process did for us was also show us that some of your, what you might perceive as weaknesses are also your greatest strengths. So by the time someone has committed to, to traveling to you, they're ready for whatever you have to offer. Um, you are going to, Alpina is going to be a destination for people that need to escape a very busy, hectic lifestyle. So imagine traffic jams and, uh, busy schedules and you can never get away from noise and imagine what someone who lives with that every day is going to feel like once they get to Alpena. Once they take the drive here, the two, the two, the three, the four hour drive to get to here, they're going to be ready for whatever you have to offer and it's going to be that much more meaningful. And they're looking for an escape. They don't want what they can find in their neighboring communities. 
they really want to get away. Um, so being rurally isolated, this, this, this modern community <coughs> surrounded by rural isolation has become one of our greatest strengths. Um, also, the fact that we're a nature-based community, we care about our resources, we clean up our trash, we want to keep our waterways clean. All of those things are things that people in other areas don't enjoy. And we don't realize it because we live here every day and we're used to it. Um, having trails within about a five-mile drive is another thing that people don't realize that you don't have that in other places. Um, there are certain generations that are now making decisions based on how close they can be to nature trails. <laughs> and we don't because it's like, well, they're everywhere. <laughs> Why would that be a thing? Yeah. <laughs> but it is a thing. So... Some of this branding experience um, really made it critical, not only you know in terms of packaging our community in a way that makes sense to the outsider, because what we do is not for us. What the Convention and Visitors Bureau does is for people who have never been here. And that's another thing that's a little bit difficult for the community to understand, but a lot of the work we do isn't seen within the community. A lot of our commercials, a lot of our advertisements are not seen here because we're already here. So if we spent money showing those things to people who already live here, it's money wasted. So we try and share those things on Facebook so people have some, some sort of an understanding. But um, we really target a population that is outside of our six-county region. So someone who's going to have to spend more than three hours to get here. Um, and it's working. Our, our numbers have been growing pretty significantly over the last four years, exponentially, really. Um, which leads into, I think, another thing that you had on the list to ask me is, what's next? Yes. <laughs> what's next is um, growth is amazing. Growth is awesome. We've been doing a lot of a lot of um, good things. Uh, and one of the things I get, I get asked a lot is, well, what about all these franchises and like, you know, when, when a vacation or like, so imagine yourself, when you're looking at a place to go as a destination to take your family or take, you know, um, a break in, within, as, you know, United States people, Americans, we're not super comfortable going somewhere that is like so far off the beaten path that it looks scary. Uh, we want a little bit of familiarity. So a community needs a, an equal balance of homegrown business with familiar franchises. So franchises are actually good for us. Right. But there has to be a balance. They can't overtake the local business or vice versa. So um, people will look for familiar franchise names um, when they're making a decision like, oh man, you know, do they have a Walgreens or a Rite Aid? Because if, if I forget my prescription, I, you know, I need somewhere to go or if I need a cough drop. Same like Big B. Like, exactly. Like Big B, I always said, Big, as much as I love Cabin Creek, and I am, I'll bang the Cabin Creek drum until the day I die. Yeah. I know Cabin Creek because I live here. And the, when my friends come up here, they all know Cabin Creek now because I make them come there. Like, you have to come here and you have to try this. And now they all love it. But for, at first they were like, what the hell are you talking about? You know, so I understand the value of a Big B for somebody that is not from Alpena. And I get it. It's like it's the same with the Applebee's. It's like I know what I'm getting when I'm going in there. Yeah. Yep. Um, and people will look for those things to make their decision. Like, okay, well, this community has a little bit of everything we're already familiar with. We're going to feel comfortable there. Once they get here, then they look for the more unique things. They look for the 
the homegrown restaurants and the homegrown attractions and the you know the Lee's mini golfs and the places <coughs> that they can go that are that they can't find at home. So a community really needs all of it. So it's really great that we're growing. I think, and I don't know what you guys think, but I think we've experienced more growth in the last five to six years than we have in the last twenty. It feels that if way. You look but back. Yeah, it feels that way, but I don't know. You know, I. It's weird. It's not just Alpena. It's like you said, Alpena gets pneumonia, right? right. So Michigan <laughs> itself was a, manufa- was a manufacturing yeah. state. And they and then, did the same thing with Pure Michigan. Right. Yeah. And, then, and when you lost all that manufacturing across the board, and it's due to a whole bunch of reasons, right? right. It wasn't just One the thing. economy falling apart. It was, you know, automation came in too, you know. And so uh, what used to take seven people can be done with one guy and a robot now, you know. So the new world market. Yeah. yeah. So all that happened, and Michigan itself kind of went through this whole rebranding where we've become more or less manufacturing, maybe a little more service-based. You know, it's still there. I would argue that all – and some people um, make a point of saying, like, oh, let's not put all our eggs in the tourism basket. It's like, but we're not. Correct. The, the rest of it is still there. It's still, you know, we still have people working at EPI. We still have people working at Lafarge. It's still there. It's just, you never heard so much about this other story before. And it's kind of interesting because we haven't really heard about it or focused on it. So now there's a lot of attention around our destination story. Mm -hmm. Um, That doesn't mean it's the only thing going on. There's a whole lot of other things going on. Oh, 100% agree. Yeah. Yeah, it feels... The thing I like the most is, and maybe it's just because I'm old, and when you're old, you don't... You're not old. Well, <laughs> when I, you'll get to my point. I mean, you'll see my point. It's like, when you're a certain age, all I hear is like, oh my God, Alpina's so boring, there's nothing to do, which I know we've all heard that. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm, no, I'm to that point where, in my age where I don't want to necessarily do the things that that age base considers adventurous or exciting, but at the same time... I don't necessarily, I think a lot of that's gone away too, though. So I see both sides, and I always try to look at both sides with stuff like this. So I think it feels that way. Yeah. But at the same time, I know that every once in a while I'll see a friend, and he'll just post something on Facebook like, I'll be in a socks, and then 800 people will all chime in, and I just, I always say, I just want to parachute in the thing and just start throwing <laughs> bombs around, and I just let it go. Well, you know, it's, it's really funny. We, um... So one of the things we do out of the CVB office is we do a weekly blog, and Nicole Cars um, manages that. And the last one she did was about activities for kids this summer in Alpena. And the list just kept going on and on and on. After a while, we're like, okay, we got to call it good. There's probably other stuff out there, but this is this is enough to go with to start. We can maybe like do another one later. But you know, it's it's one of those things. I think you just don't appreciate what you have. Um, right in front of you sometimes until you go away and you experience something else. When it's in front of you every day, just like, you know, I'm looking around Bradley's kitchen. Like, I really like the handles you have on your doors. <laughs> They're different than mine. I really hope that doesn't mean mine are bad. But, you know, I'm thinking like, oh, I could maybe switch. But it's just one of those things like, you, you know, what you see every day, it might be a phenomenal and amazing, but if you've been looking at it every day for the last seven, ten, 25 years, eventually it's going to become commonplace and you're not going to think it's that unique anymore. But for people
people who have never experienced it, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Which, um, so I guess was my point, like maybe 15 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think um, it's all great. Yeah, my, <clears throat> I went back to school last year. So what's coming next? So growth, growth, growth. We've had a lot of growth. We can't experience growth forever. And one of the things that Michelle said last week that I really love um, was that uh, Trevor City is not a plan for us. Yeah. A lot of people say, like, oh, let's not come. Hopefully we won't become like Trevor City. And some other people are like, what's wrong with Trevor City? We should want to be, be we should want to be like them. They've, they've experienced so much growth. It's wonderful. Um, well, I mean, there's a lot of ways to look at that. Uh, back in the 80s, Alpena and Traverse City were very similar. Uh, both manufacturing towns, both about the same size. There was a, there was a uh, economic depression at the time. Traverse City said, "Let's let's check out this tourism thing. Let's go this route." And Alpena said, "You know what? Manufacturing is always taking care of us. We're just going to stick with that." And that led us to up to like five years ago. Five years ago, Traverse City has experienced an incredible tax on their system because they grew so fast without a plan. They now their their infrastructure can't handle it. Oh, yeah. Their roads, their sewer system. There are local people that are trying to um, reserve their park spaces so that new events can't happen. That's that's a concern, and I would hope that Alpena never gets to that. Um, and like Michelle said, there, there are a thousand other, you know, there are a thousand other examples that we could use out there. There are other examples. Um, Trevor City isn't the only one. Right. Um, and I think that it's important to know that Alpena can become the best version of itself that it can be, but it's going to take responsible growth. So I went to school back, went back to school last year. Um, like that was the last thing I needed to do with my time. Um, and it was a lot of work, but I became certified in uh, sustainable tourism destination management, which, which basically means focusing on your assets and your resources that make your community important, stand out, unique, phenomenal, protecting those things so that they will always be there and managing growth and understanding that growth has to be sustainable. You can't experience... Um, like, for example, our our summer season, our overnight traveler summer season has been growing about 24 to 26% every year for the last four years. That's a lot. I mean, we started in a big hole, so we have a lot, a lot of room to grow. However, if we keep experiencing that every year, we're going to get to a point where none of us enjoy living here anymore. Nope. So one of my goals in the moving forward with this organization is to hopefully manage growth in a way that is responsible so that it continues to improve our economic outlay, but it also um, offers enough that we have some investment that can be put back into improving our community and then continuing to make sure that it's a place that we always love living. Because as soon as like any three of us living sitting at this table say that, you know, I don't really like it here anymore, we've, we've lost. We don't want to get to that point. Nope. So that's um, within the next 10 or 15 years, that's where I see our organization going. Um, but also, you know, ushering in, you know, cool new things. There will be something else. There will be another major league fishing. It will be something different. It might focus on a different activity. 
there will always be new things coming along, but hopefully like managing that. Right now we're looking at maintaining fishing and, and improving some other things. Um, trails is a, is a new focus for us. We've always focused on it, but we're going to ramp that up, keep fishing kind of level, um, maintain the the momentum that we've got, um, you know, it's a, it's an ongoing moving, moving equation. It's fluid. Yeah. 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 There isn't, there isn't an answer. I wasn't given a playbook when I started. No. <laughs> the one doesn't exist. No. Um, but I've lived here most of my life. So I, you know, I kind of have an inside scoop of, you know, what, what people enjoy about living here and hopefully that we can protect that because that's what's important. First and foremost, protecting what residents love, you know, and then leveraging um, the community as a destination is secondary only to protecting what residents love. Allison likes puppies. Yeah. Well, we got so a lot of puppies. Yeah. So I think this segues perfectly into our top five this week. So we won't, we'll skip the break and go right to our top five. So it's our top five, how you know you're from Alpena. Right? I'm so excited. Okay. <laughs> so I'll let Brad, Brad use your runs of that. So. Okay. All right. Uh, we'll start it off. And my number five is you always say you miss lugs. Oh, that's I a good one. I don't miss lugs. You I don't? Never, I never like lugs. What about the giant burger? I never like the lugs. Oh, man. Always creepy. I miss lugs. I love Lugs because my mom used to always take us there for giant burgers and french fries, and she used to always tell us that when she started at Lugs, she made two sixteen an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that fish dinner. It was just so great. You get a two-piece fish dinner, fries, and a coleslaw for like three bucks. Uh, yep. It was yeah, money. Lugs was cool. Cheap, but I just never went there. But, it, but, you're, but you're right. It is a thing. You know, you're from Alpena. Yep. Um... You know, it was weird. So I kind of, like, I have a whole bunch of different things. I was trying to create a top five, but I, so I went and got the help of Allison. She said a really good one. And, and so, you know, you're from Alpena one, and it happened to me earlier this last week, was when you hear someone mispronounce Presqu'il. <laughs> so when someone calls her Presqu'il. That Presque Isle, a lot. Isle, uh, and people like, you're customer. not from here. Yeah, you will get corrected too. Yeah. Yep. So that's that's a tough one though. Who knows how to pronounce it? <laughs> and not just that, but like uh, she said, Asnik, yeah, Mackinac, all these Akiak. different Akiak, all these different phrases where they're like, oh yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> always funny listening to the people on the news on the TV try to pronounce the things when they first get here. <laughs> <laughs> how do I have to do a top or five? Number five. Yeah, sure. Okay. Number five, you know you're from Alpena. If a traffic jam means you have to stop on US 23 in front of the hospital and wait for a family of ducks to safely cross. Yes. <laughs> That's, That's a traffic true. jam. How many pictures have you seen shared on Facebook of people stopped in traffic and it's US 23 in front of the hospital and there's ducks on the road? Oh, yes. <laughs> Anna Washington. Yes. Yeah, we've Allison. I've noticed there have been a lot of babies this year because of the weather, but they're just now. We're just now yeah, noticing. Yeah. So. <clears throat> Great. Number four. You get excited for the Rock Show to make his fifth appearance of the year. Sort of 
Javits, the people who put together the concerts, because it seems like it's always the same people coming up here. But well, maybe they love vacationing in Altoona. Well, I know. I could get on board with that. Well, one guy is from Posen, but <laughs> just seem to come up here a lot. People get excited for it. It's always packed. We, well, we had this with Chris when we had Chris Yachik on Sonic because he's our local band guy. There's a lot of, you know, when you think of like Root Stand and Gunner and the Grizzly Boys and now we're at Paddle Bots. I saw somebody in front of me the other day had a Paddle Bot sticker on their car. And I was like, that's a Paddle Bot sticker. <laughs> and just when you hear stuff like that, it does create a following. Yeah. And, you know, and people do get excited. That's mm -hmm. for certain. Oh, my number four. I meant to print it off. <clears throat> my number four. I won't do it in order. I'll just try to remember what I had. Um, I did have when you no longer, you know, you're from Alpena, when you cannot smell Abitibi anymore. So, like, <laughs> when, and you can know what I'm talking about. If, if you've ever been around with somebody in Alpena or not, that's not from here, like, what's that smell? And you're like, what are you talking about? And then you actually have to, like, oh, that's Abitibi. I'm sorry. Like, you yeah. just, you've almost turned nose deaf to it. Yeah, I had someone it, it describe it as it smells like maple syrup and pancakes. I was like, well, we'll just go with that. <laughs> that sounds great. Yes, it's amazing. <laughs> All right, my number four. I don't know if this is appropriate. And, you know, I've never been to a rave. Okay. We'll just set it up like that. All right. <laughs> but, you know, you're from Alpena when you know... That little red is not a pill that you are offered at a rave. Yeah, 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 that's true. <laughs> it's a lighthouse. I like it. Nice. That is good. All right. Number three, we take living by water and all its beauty for granted. Yep. Oh, no, yeah. I yeah, I'm, I was guilty of that when I lived, didn't live in Alpena. I didn't realize it until I didn't live in Alpena. Yeah. My buddy Brian Kanowski. Has the best story of that. He moved to Oklahoma, and he found some people, and they were like, "We're gonna go to jet skiing," and he's like, "Yes, I miss Michigan. I miss growing up in the water." And so they, he goes to this place, and they're all trialing out, and it's he goes first of all, it was like a mud puddle. Yeah. It was it was like the size of, you know, just like a football field, and it was all dark mud. And he's like, "How can you jet ski?" Yeah, he's like, "No," <laughs> he's like, "He's like, I want nothing to do with this." He goes, this is not what you're talking about. And his, um, now his wife at the time was kind of like, what are you talking about? But then she, he brought her up here, and then she, now she understood. Like, yeah. But you kind of don't understand it until you get away from it. Right. Like you said, so. Yeah. Well, Bradley, you bring up a good point because a lot of people um, from, you know, outside of the area that we have come here, visitors, they will go up to, like, for example, the lighthouses, Presque Lighthouses, and they will look across the water, and the first piece of land, which is usually some, like, Michigan island, like, Middle Island or whatever, like, is that Canada? Because they just have no concept of how vast Lake Huron is or any of the Great Lakes. And uh, I know that the few times that I've been near an ocean... It just looks like it looks like Lake Huron. Yeah. Well, I don't know what the big deal is. I mean, except you have sharks. <laughs> Salt water, ours is fresh. Right. <laughs> yes. Um, I know my number one, so that's pretty good. My number one is you actually consider um, opening day a holiday. <laughs> so, 
So <laughs> that was my number three. Yeah, so we're on the right same page. So I mean, um, yeah, hunting season obviously is a big deal in LPN. So. Mm -hmm. Yep, that was um, you. When you move anywhere south of Alpena, you are shocked to learn that not everyone gets November fifteenth off. Nope. Yes. When I was a, when I was at Michigan State my first year, I was like, "Well, what are you guys doing on Tuesday?" And they're like, "What do you mean? What are we doing on Tuesday?" And I'm like, "Well, it's the 15th. And they're like, "We're going to class." Like, you have class on? Why do we have <laughs> class on Tuesday? That makes no sense. They're like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "It's opening day." Like, opening day of what? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Super confusing. Yeah. All right. My number two goes back to Plymouth Steam Spray. I forgot. You can tell particle board is being made by the smell. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's habitating. Well, I mean, it is part of Alpena. It is. So, I mean, you can't. It is what it is. You know, it's part of our manufacturing base. It provides a lot of jobs for the community. Yeah. Um, when I worked at Panel Processing, so it's interesting. So Panel Processing doesn't make board, but they do stuff to the board that Abitibi, DPI, Louisiana Pacific, whatever it's been called over the years, makes. And there was a time where our plant here in Alpena was one of the two remaining hardware plants in the United States. I think they've built some since then, but... Um, it was just fascinating to hear, and there are certain applications where that, that type of particle board it, or manufactured board is really important in how we operate as a nation. And if I hadn't been on that back end of things, I probably never would have understood it. So I guess that's one lesson I learned from that experience. But, um, you know, now when, you know, our office now is half a block away, right. an alley away, actually, down the alley, I can see the plant, and it's not terrible, um, I don't, I don't know what it is about it, I don't know if it's, you know, understanding that it's a part of what is making us run as a community that makes me a little bit more acceptable to it, but I think it's, I think it's, I think it's good, I think it's a positive thing for the community, and if I always go back to it smells like maple syrup and pancakes, then it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I remembered one, so I only have one left I remember. Wearing a sweatshirt and shorts is completely normal. <laughs> oh, I remember my other one, too. That helped me remember the other one. So I got all of them now. So, yeah, wearing a sweatshirt and shorts is actually just a normal part Which of Which we do all year round. Yeah. <laughs> so was that your number? What's your number two? He did do it. Oh, was, you did? Yeah. Do I need to do number, number two? Yep. Okay. I don't know which one to put as number two or number one. Uh, Traverse City is a trigger word. Yeah. <laughs> it is with me, at least. <laughs> I listened to your, your last week episode, and I was like, yeah, so many of us growing up here, we're like, we can't help it. Yeah, I twitch. <laughs> Start to get the, like, the blinky eye. Uh, we had to go to Petoskey Wednesday, and even then I'm just like, <laughs> Which is, you know, my brother lived over there for a little while. It's a fun city. There's, you know, it's great. But you know, if you're from Alpena and you grow up in the Alpena public school system, it's like there's certain. When someone says Traverse City, it's like what? Wait. Yeah. <laughs> when I was when I went my group of people from school, there was a lot of people from Detroit, and I'm like, 
Oh, it's my Alpina. Like, oh, isn't that by Traverse City? I was like, no. <laughs> yeah, I was like, <laughs> want nothing to do with them. Two so, and a half hours away, thank you. Yeah, like, just, <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. School rivals, we can't help it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, so plan number one is you expect a bar to be next to a church, or you expect a church to be next to a bar. Yeah, 100% correct. We are all sinners and saints. Yes. Especially those Catholic churches. I thought that. That it was on my list of things that were possibilities. So, I mean, yeah. That was, that's a good list. The one thing that did make me always chuckle was the old St. John's Church didn't have a bar next to it, really. No. And I always thought that was really strange. They're kind of in a nice little neighborhood. It's like Bogarts is the closest place to it. So, which is pretty far away. Yeah. So. <laughs> Say the courtyard. Yeah. Yeah. Good that's, point. That's where I went to Sunday school, St. John's. Okay. And then the first grade catechism teacher told me the truth about Santa Claus, and then I just didn't go anymore. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> my mom was pretty upset. <laughs> my number one, which really wasn't my number one, but it's going to be now, is you have considered mowing your lawn, or shoveling your driveway in the same week. <laughs> That's a good one. Oh, man. We did that several times this year already. So that's how you... Yeah. I mean, come on. Like, it's really hard to keep up here, Mother Nature. Um, so my last one is, from, from all of the stories you've heard growing up, so when you were little, from your aunts and uncles, from people you've known, you somehow feel like you are distantly related to Bob Seger. <laughs> yes. That's a great, that is a high quality one too. I Bob. really think he should come and do a concert here. We all love him. I know. I'm surprised. Has anyone tried reaching out to him? I try. I tried really hard for like a year and a half and all of the leads I had dead ends. Hmm. Have his yacht out in Lake Huron like a couple years ago? I heard that was the owner of Jimmy John's and Kid Rock. So who knows? There's so many, there's so many, you know. <laughs> and that's what's stories. weird is they don't want you to know they're here. I, I think, well, right. And yeah. I think that's one of the cool things about Alpena, and that's one of the things that all these um, professional bass fishermen like about Alpena is that we kind of like, we get excited, but we also leave people alone. Yeah. We're not all crazy and starstruck and we're like oh cool and then we go about our business so don't leave a yacht out in the lake you better <laughs> something's gonna happen yeah. people are gonna talk yeah I think um I'm surprised and you ever talked about Polish names <laughs> I really thought being able to pronounce Polish names wouldn't that, well that's a good one yeah was gonna make it you and Michelle last week were talking about adding S to the end of words Yep. Yeah, making more. things plural was <laughs> a big one. Yeah. So, but that's those are kind of the, some of the things I thought when I was going through that. But I think we between the two of you guys and had everything I thought of with there. So that was a good top five. I thought it was enjoyable. Yes, <laughs> and a lot of them are. I think if you're from the area, you yeah, it makes some people smile or laugh. Well, I'm sure you. I'm sure some people are like, oh my god, you forgot. Yeah. So if you did, make sure you let us know.
Yeah, I think it seems to be resonating. I tell Brent, I get frustrated sometimes because people think it's a cooking show still. Nope. So, um, but still waiting know, for that that's recipe. That's going to just follow us around for a long time. Another newspaper article. Yeah. When we, uh, yeah, when we, I know Dylan, me, and Brad were the ones that kicked around the name. Well, Brad and I really privately kicked around the name for a while, and we were, we knew we wanted to do something with a hot take because kind of hot take is kind of catchy right now. So, mm-hmm. and then we just didn't know, and Kitchen Ed kind of ended up being. Well, Kitchen from. really in most homes, especially I think in you know communities like ours, that's where people congregate and revisit. And, like, I think we talked about it last week, but um, Justin Cooper at Loft said we can use his kitchen anytime we need to. to tr- like If we need to do, like, a drop an episode of somewhere or a group of people or whatever, he said we're more than welcome to access it. So um, it's kind of cool to be able to have that option at our disposal, but we're going to try to do as much as we can for Brad's kitchen. Well, maybe one month we can do all chefs in our community. And we talked Did about people that. Cooking the aspirin. Yeah. Yes. Um, we're starting to get toward July before we bring that up. So, um, our first person booked for July after our month of females is your husband. <laughs> oh, really? Yep. He's going to come on July July second. What are you going to ask him? We are going to talk about the Fourth of July parade. Oh, nice. Because I thought it's, it's, it's right yeah. before the fourth. And we you know, can, I would like to say that that was not my idea. A lot of people have come up to me and be like, "Oh, good job." And like that was, I actually said, that's a lot of work. Are you sure you want to do that? Yes. And it was Casey's idea. He wanted to do it. He thought it would be wonderful for the community. He loves Alpina. He moved here before he even met me. I just want to say I had nothing to do with that, but I help out a lot. <laughs> it is awesome, and it is a lot of work. I've helped with the parade when I was. Well, I'm still with the ambassadors, but when the ambassadors yeah. had it, um, it's a thankless job. That's for certain. Um, and it's one of those things. If we didn't have the parade, everybody in the town would be like. What are we going to have the parade? Like, you're yeah. like, well, nobody wanted to do the parade. Yeah. Um, which brings up a point, since we're kind of on this subject. Um, we are about $5,000 short of firework bracelet money. Oh, yeah, we need to raise some funds. So, yeah. if you guys are listening, and if you can't want to either go to one of the numerous businesses that are on town, you can find out, or you just go to the chamber. Or just drop 5 10 or 20 bucks if you enjoy the fireworks. Yep. And it's important for everyone to understand that we like the chamber is just merely the vessel right collecting the money so but it's it, for the community it's for the community it's the community's fireworks show we just happen to be the one collecting it so if it's a five thousand dollars we collect which is more than that right now but if one year we decided we're going to collect five thousand dollars you're going to get a five thousand dollar fireworks show so right if you want a nice fireworks show which it seems like everybody likes it then you should make sure you do your part and i'm always surprised at the amount of people that give mm-hmm. like my boss, he'll give hundreds of dollars, and he, I, I think half the time he doesn't even see them. Versus some of the people and businesses in our town that take full use of the fireworks and really don't do anything. Yeah, well, you know, I, you were talking with Michelle a little bit about young people getting involved, but it's the same with everything. Like people are pretty apathetic about what happens in our community and what it takes to make these things happen. Even things like the Maritime Festival and. Christmas parade and all, all of those things, it takes so much volunteer effort. Like you said, it's a thankless job. Raising money for the fireworks is a thankless job. But if it were gone, we would all be up in arms. Yeah. Yeah. But it's only at that point.
take this away from us. And it's yeah. like, well, how, how, what kind of support have you provided <laughs> yeah. this thing? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all, it's everyone's responsibility to, to make our community what we want it to be. Yeah. Mailbag. Mailbag. Who's it from? We got an email from Alf Forsyth. My man. Say his real name. I didn't expect his real name to be that. Well, it's okay. I don't think he'd mind. That's all right. We're just going to go with Alf. And he sent us an email about last week's episode where we were talking about the whale dying from ingesting 17 pounds of plastic. It's gross. Anyway, he emailed us and said, In the last episode, you mentioned an island of garbage near Hawaii. I believe you are referring to Midway Island. I saw the special on Netflix a few years back. It was used as a base during World War II, and now it is covered with plastic and pelicans that are dead from eating garbage. Ow. So, like... Oh, that's devastating. He's right. What He saw that documentary is true, but what I'm talking about is actually called the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. And yeah. there's more than one. Yeah, there, and there's some in the Atlantic Ocean, yeah. and what it is, it's just the way the currents of the ocean... Collected it, in the water. Yeah, and it's not. Yeah, so if you look it up, you can it's see like it. It's gelatinous. Yeah, way. it's gross. Yeah. So, um, but fun fact. So I know Al, and a lot of you listeners. I know only a handful of listeners probably know Al, but Al's from Virginia right now. He's a teacher, and he um, where well, he lives in Virginia. He's from Pennsylvania. So um, that's a really far away shout out. So our two main shout outs we've had on this podcast are, have been from. Cincinnati, Ohio, nice. and go, Virginia. Guys. So, like, <laughs> local people could feel free to chime in. I guess that's kind of, <laughs> a, kind of where I'm going with that. So, um, that's awesome. I have seen our pages gotten likes from people over in other places. Yes, it's getting out there. Yeah, I don't know if they're listening to the podcast, but I know I've slacked on the Instagram page. I will try my best to kind of get better on that. I think it's been since week. Six, I you know, it, it's but. hard to keep track of multiple platforms, and one thing that's really helped us at the CPB is making a commitment to, like, whatever you know you can do best. Yeah. There's all these things. There's Pinterest and Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, and what do you know that you can do best on a consistent and regular basis and just focus on those? So we have made the conscious decision to... We don't have a Twitter account because mm-hmm. we just don't have enough people and resources to keep it up. But what we do have, we're going to make sure that we do it gangbusters. Yeah. I love Twitter. Twitter's my favorite social media platform out of all the social media platforms, which is whatever. So, but yeah, so that's that. I did want to say that this week, we usually recap what's going on at the end of this week. So Friday at the concert or movie in the park, it's the Lion King. Yep. Um, Saturday is the hospice walk. Oh, Wednesday at Cliff H. Chevrolet is Jamie's Nana's Lemonade Stand. So if you guys are in the area, stop in for a glass of lemonade, and I think Grayson's making cookies. Aww. So come on down. Who can resist that? Yes. Um, and then Friday, like I said, it's the movies in the park, Lion King. Saturday's the hospice walk, your party. Yep. And then also in the afternoon, Performance Locker's doing yoga at Island Park. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much what I know of. Blues Festival's going on. And the Blues Festival, that's right. Good call. There's some other things I saw. There's always a tournament or something for kids going on at the quarry somewhere. Free fishing day down there. 
There's always a lot going on. I think that Alpina's finally turned a corner and we can manage more than one thing happening on the same day and it's all successful. Yeah. Which is great. I remember a time when people would call around and be like, well, are you doing something on this weekend? Because if you are, then we'll move it to a different weekend. But I think we've finally gotten to a point where we're a big enough community that we can have multiple things going on on the same day and everyone is attended and can be successful, which is great. A good turning point for us. Yes. I can relate to that because I know our little you know, idea boy fundraiser we do, um, we were always on the heels of prep crawl. We're always the night before. And it seemed like it didn't hurt either because both are very well attended, but we finally were able to break away from that. Um, we pushed ours a week back, so. Um, yeah. Sunday's Father's Day. Sunday Father's Happy Day. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. Tell your pops Happy Father's Day. Tell Casey Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there listening. And all the people that have stood in as fathers. Yes. For people who don't have fathers of their own. Hundred percent. Trying to think about anything else. Next week's Christy Johnson. Nice. She's excited. Oh, that's talk awesome. Talk about the roller derby. That's Enterprise. That's coming up. So yeah, we'll talk about family enterprise a little bit, and then mostly roller derby stuff. Because I have a whole bunch of questions. <laughs> I'm gonna clear your mind about roller derby. So. It is so fascinating, isn't it? Yes. I would love to do it, but I'm way too much of a pacifist. <laughs> well, you could just be the scorer person, right? <laughs> the person that runs around and tries to get the point. From my understanding, I think that's a thing. I could sell tickets, or I could like yeah. announce. I could do anything except beat up people. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for coming by. Well, thank you for inviting me. Well, I appreciate you coming. I love that you guys love Alpina and that you have found uh, an avenue to share some of that. I used to be one of those people who hated Alpina. Say what? That is true. It's now I like it. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll talk to you next week. See ya. Bye.